0: Traveling the
1: Vortex.
2: We've joined Sarah Kingdom and the SSS team as they fight Daleks and save the universe. In episode 439, I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Team SSS? Team
0: SSS. Team SSS.
2: Uh, did you guys have a good week. It was kind of a short time between recording. <laughs> yeah, well, I
0: feel like I just saw you guys. It was a short
2: time between this Final last week's recording. episode getting out and <laughs> this, the <laughs> recording this one. Plus the tartar sauce we did in the meantime in the middle. Yeah, and, we uh, did lots of recording lately. We have. Did you guys do anything fun in the, the short spat between recordings. <laughs> I done. We finished
1: Good Omens. Finally. Oh, what would you think? Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it.
2: How'd, um, how'd you feel about the changes?
1: There's not a lot. The no. The end has some tweaks, and actually, it kind of broadens how the book kind of leaves everything. They have a
2: huge epilogue that's not in the book.
1: Uh, With Yes a, and no. Probably in a Yeah, yes and no. He, they... He, that's what they think the only thing that really expanded on, but they peppered it in through the rest of the epilogue stuff, really well. That it it's not like they just dropped it in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So because yeah. they had um, uh,
2: they had the other epilogue stuff. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I was very pleased, and I, again, I was I was glad they were able to kind of expound on the
2: relationship between the two by doing that. So, did you see what I meant about? how they handled when he was in her body Uh uh-huh yeah well that's how i imagined it when i read it but then again i read it after it happens well
1: that's that's exactly how i remembered it too but there were there seemed to be a good chunk of time where he occupied her whereas this one kind of felt like they truncated it a little bit so
2: i don't so i don't know how much of it's that or how much of it was just better paced well, he also or, jump,
1: he also jumps to a bunch of other bodies first before he goes to hers. So. That's true.
2: It <laughs> just seemed like the there, were, there was a lot of times to, throughout most of the book where they step away from the two entities oh, for a long time where they don't do that with the series. So, that's, that's what I true. mean by better paced. That's true. It was definitely better balanced. Yeah.
1: I think that's it. I didn't really watch anything else. Uh, downloaded uh, both Aquaman and Shazam, but I haven't got around to watch them yet, so
2: You haven't seen Aquaman? Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. huh.
0: Downloaded from your iTunes account.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I own them. I just <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> haven't watched them yet. <laughs> and now you physically downloaded them.
1: Yes, now I have them downloaded to be ready to watch.
0: I thought maybe we should clarify just so that <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I did not pirate him.
0: Oh, okay, that's where, <laughs> no, no. that's where I was going with that, Glenn, I, thanks.
1: <laughs> I always download stuff to my computer to have a, it on the drive so it's not having to stream because we have the network issues at my house. And so if I download it, then it can be anywhere in the house and have no problem watching it. If I'm trying to stream it from iTunes, sometimes it goes wonky. So gotcha. That's so it's Glenn's
2: equivalency of going to the store and buying the disc. And then putting the disc by the Blu-ray player. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it it's is. It's the first two steps in watching something. <laughs> that is exactly what it is.
0: You could just go to the store and buy a disc and put it next to the Blu-ray player, but eh. You're you didn't, a cloud have to, guy. you didn't have to go anywhere to do that. You're a cloud guy.
1: I'm half cloud. I mean, I'm a cloud supporter, but I do buy some physical. There's some things I have to have on physical media.
2: And, and the clout. <laughs> well, when you can buy a movie for fairly cheap and not when you're not sure you're going to like it, it kind of helps. Yeah, that's As true. As opposed to spending all the money on the physical copy. That's true. We didn't watch anything.
0: We even saw Lion King. How is it? Eh.
2: Is it better than Aladdin? Mm. Is it better than Jungle Book?
0: No, it's not better than Jungle Book. Jungle Book's still, still... Is it better reigns. than Maleficent? Oops, yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: Remember think we are you are talking t- to. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we don't have time for me to go into all the things that are better than Maleficent. <laughs> Kicks in the shins. That's better than Maleficent. Um, losing all your information on your hard drive. Better than Maleficent. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's just kind of... Um, there, there are moments that they got Right. Like, Circle of Life when, when it opens and all the animals and the, just they nailed that, and it's like, "Ah, oh, sweet! You got it. But at the same time, I've always felt that the three minutes of Circle of Life is kind of the pinnacle of Disney animation. like that's just as good as it got. So it just that that is the the heights of the highs, you know. And watching this in live action which you can't really even call it live-action because it's photorealistic CGI. Apparently
2: there is one live-action shot in the movie. One? One.
0: Way to go, John Favreau.
2: Now they can call it live-action.
0: But, um, yeah, watching it in in, in this format was just kind of like, hey, that was really great. Now I just want to go watch the animated one. You (laughs) know, because it it just kind of calls to mind. Um, There was one part that I actually think was better than the animated film. Um, when they're dealing with uh, Simba's decision to return. But for the most part, everything else was just kind of there. I mean, I, I love the beginning. I love all the, the stuff with the lions and James Earl Jones coming back was great and and whatnot. But um, the rest of it just kind of, you know, and even Shy, Shy was a wiggle butt. She didn't want to sit still for it. So if that's an indicator of anything, hmm. she was not enthralled.
2: I've heard, the new version of circle of life and i wasn't impressed no what no can you feel the love tonight yeah beyonce kind of sounded flat
0: well that's the thing the circle of life of course is great and just can't wait to be king has got all this high energy to it and can you feel the love tonight is just so well loved and iconic but the best song in the lion king is be prepared It's just hands down that is the best song in it and they, Except
2: for the live action version,
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't uh, they they didn't nail that one. I was I was kind of bummed because I was waiting, and yeah, no, not so much. So yeah, just a, another one in the in the coppers. And I, I, I saw a review that somebody else had posted where they mentioned the fact that we've now entered this phase of Disney where it's we we don't want to really risk the brand by doing anything new, so we're just going to keep giving you what you've already had. And I can't say that I disagree with that, um, watching these. It's a a safe bet.
2: Especially for anything actually Disney-branded.
0: Yeah. And that won't stop me from going to see Mulan. I'm (laughs) very hyped about that one. Or Frozen 2. Or Frozen 2.
2: At least Frozen 2 will be a continuation and not just a remake. Yeah. Until we get the live-action version, you know.
0: It's not too far off, I'm sure. Yeah, that was about it. Wanted to get out and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just couldn't find the time to make it work this weekend.
2: That's not one I really have much desire to see. All right. Well, let's move on to news. No news. No news. Such a short turnaround in recording, there hasn't been much time to uh, (laughs) put some news out. That means some stuff will come out tomorrow morning. Tomorrow
0: morning, you can expect news.
2: Well,
1: then let's go ahead and move on to feedback.
2: Feedback comes from Jamie.
0: Jamie writes, greetings, Vortexers. Steadily plowing along, I think I'm finally past the prices Right horn era and firmly entrenched in the feedback song variant era. <laughs> Congratulations on graduation, Sean. It's been, what, seven years now? A bit <laughs> longer than that, Jamie, but yes. Thank you. Enjoying your comments on my Blu-ray replies, and again, I may come back to this when we reach that point proper, but I feel that though the economy is at least somewhat improving, people have more pressing costs than a new TV or media player or gaming system every year or every other year. And though 3D is relatively commonplace, it's still a gimmick. There are the people like me who just don't care for 3D, as well as the people with glasses and or eyesight issues who can't watch 3D without problems. Maybe it's not a format war, but I think the rapid succession of formats is moving too fast for people to catch up, and. They'll either give up in confusion or because it's unaffordable. Yeah, I hadn't really thought much about the 3D part of it, but I I will say that I would be tempted to go buy a TV and a player if it meant that I could watch the 50th anniversary in 3D. That one might be worth it.
2: Well, there you go. There's your.
0: It's cheap now.
2: Nobody wants it, right? I know, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) On to the episodes themselves. Episode 118. I love hearing your speculation on the 50th anniversary speaking up this time it was the casting of David Tennant and Billy Piper wondering if it would be the 10th Doctor or the Metacrisis Doctor notice it was just assumed that Piper was playing Rose because all the energy was spent on what form Tennant would be taking
2: that's more of how much we think of Piper
0: <laughs> don't be mean not not inaccurate but don't be mean as for the Bells of St. John I enjoyed this episode just rewatched this actually I thought it was well done and a fun episode the return of the great intelligence after the snowman was very good. I did enjoy your speculation as to the only person who the woman, woman in the shop could be was River. To be fair, it was a good guess at the time, although any of the Dr. Female companions probably could have fit the bill. I really liked, though, that it turned out to be Missy, whom we hadn't even met yet. Shows Moffat planning ahead. Also, I thought the Wi-Fi and tech speak that was on screen felt very Sherlock. Moving on then, episode 119. Has Glenn's opinion of Eccleson changed at all? I'm kind of confused about his views. Did he enjoy being the Doctor and wish that he could have gone longer? Or did he just hate the production team? Or does he just not want to do a one-shot appearance repeat of a character? He seems to be very contradictory. But to be fair, I'm hearing most of these second or third hand. I liked his Doctor and would love to see him join the ranks of Big Finish. Enjoyed your Planet Comic Con coverage and interview with Daphne Ashbrook?
1: Let me catch that back up real quick. I think if I recall right, at the time... When they announced that, I was frustrated because he was being very obstinate about, no, I'm not coming back, no. And he was being, because he was burned so badly by mm-hmm. the production, and understandably so. I love Christopher Eccleston. I love the guy. I think that he did a fantastic job as the doctor. The thing is, he's been one of those guys that's been very mopey about his lot in life. in you know The G.I. Joe not going anywhere and him being behind make- makeup the whole time. Only to turn around and take <laughs> the role of the dark elf in um, uh, Malik was it Malik Malika. in uh, Thor, and then getting criticized for that role as well. And so, I don't that that's where I was at that point was I was really kind of angry at the fact that he he was pretty much dumping on fandom, and he was dumping on Doctor Who just because he had some bad experiences. And I think that's why I was frustrated. I still absolutely love his doctor. I think he's great. And yes, 100%, I'd like to see him come back. And in my book, as a person, he's made a lot of strides away from that brooding and, and mopiness that he the had. The fact that he's doing conventions now. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> he's doing conventions now. Part of that may be the fact that he's not able to do much else. And so he's looking at conventions as well, you know. I can supplemental some income. I don't know if that's the case now, but at least he is reaching back out to the fans. And he, he was very gracious, um, right after, right around the time that that came out, he, uh, you know, was kind of coming out of that, you know, absolutely not going to do it. He, he was very, you know, supportive of the 50th, even though he wasn't there. And then straight after that, he started really kind of connecting with fans, doing the, you know, the uh, Instagram stuff he did for the proposal and all that kind of stuff. So he's he's made his way back into my good graces as an actor. But I've always always absolutely loved him as as the doctor.
0: I suspect um, and I think we may have talked about this at one point that he's going to go on the, the Tom Baker circuit that it was. No, I'm done. Never coming back. Good luck to you all. And I'm not going to talk about it for 20 years. Or the the Shatner, will you just get a life, you know? <laughs> and then eventually he'll come back around and and, right. and warm warm back up to it, and probably even be in in some projects. I know he had, had that one quote about never bathe in the same river twice, but um, nah, I don't think so. I, I think he was enthralled enough with the character and what he did with it that have given the opportunity to come back under a different banner, different production company, with enough water under the bridge, he'd, he'd be all right with it. Yeah. So. I hope so. We can always hope. Uh, Jamie continues, Enjoyed your Planet Comic Con coverage and interview with Daphne Ashbrook? Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. Moving on to episode 120. More 50th anniversary speculation and announcements. Kate Stewart returning. Oh, there are pictures of someone in a Tom Baker scarf in the same scenes. Probably just a stagehand. You guys <laughs> thought Osgood was just a lowly stagehand? <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with stagehands, but still. The Rings of Akhatan. Yes, this was a good episode, but not necessarily a favorite of mine. I mean, it was fine, but I just found it average. It wasn't bad or even meh, it was just at the low end of good. Cold War. Now this was a great submarine blockbuster crammed into 45 Minutes, It's got the feel of both Hunt for Red October and Alien, all crammed into a tight little package. I just rewatched this one, although it had some similarities with the Ice Warriors, such as finding a single Ice Warrior in a block of ice that then gets out and threatens the base. And yet this one is so much more watchable. I'd say that this one is where the shorter runtime works in its favor. David Warner works well here, despite not having a huge role. Just a great episode with the Ice Warriors done very well. Episode 121. Keith, Darth Plagueis is indeed an excellent book. Really enjoying your speculation on the 50th anniversary and even the Season 7 finale. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Okay, Hide. Eh, it was an okay episode. Decent enough ghost story with a time travel twist, but I wasn't overly thrilled with it. Maybe it's because I'm not a fan of ghost stories. Same reason I'm not a fan of The Unquiet Dead or Winter for the Adept. It was nice to see the Doctor get scared sometimes, but otherwise just a middling episode for me. White like Glenn, I'd have to say it's probably the worst of Series 7b for me, too. Prisoner of Time, Issue 3. I really enjoyed this one. The art is good, the aliens are very pertwee. I just enjoyed the story. The CIA guy looked like Peter Dinklage's Boulevard Task from the X Men film. It was just an all around great comic story. The best of the series so far. An interesting theory of who the villain is. Wrong, but interesting. <laughs> Vengeance of the Stones. This was just a forgettable piece of Who. I remember I listened to it, and that it had Yates, and it was a third Doctor story, and that's about it. I don't mind the format, I just didn't care for this one enough for even the general idea or plot points to stick. Last episode for this set, episode 122, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. I remember watching this and enjoying it, but not much else. Although, granted, it's been six years, but nothing really sticks in my mind. As you bring things up, I sort of remember. I just don't have anything to add. By the way, what was the cause of the TARDIS's explosion in Series 5? Was that ever explained or explained satisfactorily?
2: Uh, it was explained. Satisfactory is another question. <laughs> um, it was the silence broke off and somehow got into the TARDIS and made it explode. We kind of got that explanation as a line drop in Time of the Doctor.
0: Dun-dun-dun.
2: Which then caused the crack, of course.
0: The Third Doctor Revisited. It's been a while since I've watched this one. Sounds like you guys weren't overly thrilled with it, and that it was just too basic. Still, it's a good effort and great for new fans. The Third Doctor, played by John Pertwee, definitely was a man of action. Anti-establishment, but with a kind heart. James Bond with Alien Invasions. I find it interesting that Pertwee, who served in the military alongside Ian Fleming, is chosen to play a Bond-esque Doctor. I like the Third Doctor in some ways better than Troughton, although I think myself more likely to throw in a Troughton story than a Pertwee story if I want to watch a random Who serial. I would definitely pick Terror of the Autons as the definitive Third Doctor story. It's got the Third Doctor, Joe, Unit, and the Master, introduces a companion, a recurring villain, it's just fun. I have finally finished Tom Baker's run in my Who Watch through today. This is may sixteenth. It's taken me nearly three years, but I've watched every episode of Tom Baker. One thing I've noticed is the age of the characters. I'm used to Big Finish for my fifth, sixth, and seventh Doctor stories. Now I haven't at the time of this writing started on Peter Davidson, but listening to Nissa on TV, I'm shocked at how young she sounds. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe the surprise is that Tegan doesn't sound any different. <laughs> Adric, Well, I can't tell since I haven't listened to any Big Finish with him in a while. But I look forward to hearing the age difference in Peter Davidson's voice if there is any. So, that's it for now. Enjoying your podcast and your discussions. Your tangents are fun, but I do see why you've cut most of them out. Looking forward to what's coming up. Keep up the good work. Jamie. Thank you, Jamie.
2: Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie.
1: That's it for feedback. All right. Well, if people want to contact us, how can they do that, Keith?
2: Just go to our website and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, and it will come directly to us, or you can send it to feedback at com. You can also reach out to us on any form of social media. Very good. Let's move on to our reviews.
0: Doctor order, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> What do we want to start with? I think we should do the Dalek
1: uh, Outer Space Book stuff first and then the Destroyers.
2: Okay. I don't have a synopsis for those.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> By arrangement with BBC Television, the Dalek <laughs> Outer Space Book.
1: Of course, we're not reviewing the whole book. We're just doing the uh, two stories in it with Sarah Kingdom. But
2: The Outlaw Planets.
0: This is one of those... Um, uh, just a note on the book itself. If you can find a copy, grab it, because it, it's it's just amazing. This is the kind of stuff that's that barely licensed uh, kind of material, but yet it's so much fun. And the first story, the Dalek, uh, what is it called? The Dalek Trap, uh, kind of for me felt right in there. It's very Flash Gordon serial.
2: Yeah, it does look like it.
0: Uh, both in art and, and kind of even in story. What do you mean by barely licensed? Well, because it's a... It's a the Daleks are
2: licensed, but there's no... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a sideline project, it. you know. Oh, oh okay. It's a sidestep. I, I see, I see. Sidestep I just say,
1: it's completely licensed by Terry Nation, who yeah. owned the Daleks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's one of the interesting things about it, is you, you can very much see the Terry Nation... I'm going to get this sci-fi show off the ground by hook or by crook that deals with the SSS. And, uh, oh, we've got a comic tie-in. And, yeah, Daleks, we're going to ride that wave all the way to the bank, baby. And yet it's not quite there.
2: <laughs> when was this published, do you know? 1966. All right, so this was really early on.
0: But, uh, yeah, it's very... Um, it's very. I said before, it's Flash Gordon, both in the look. I mean, the rockets have fins, and uh, even the artwork is um, in that style of some of the early Flash Gordon comics. It just happens to have Daleks in it. <laughs> 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 and I, uh, I, I, I started having a, a terrifying nightmare, flop sweat, flashbacks when we get the Strata of Scarrow uh, illustration. Because I'm looking for the, tr- the the trench or the chasm, <laughs> and um, it's not listed, but um, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. <laughs> and it took them days to cross.
1: Well, yeah, that comes up later in the destroyer. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- th- this book's right up my alley. Uh, the whole thing is is terrific but these stories in particular they, they they have this kind of B movie feel or or 60s pulp novel feel you know they just have there's a bit of 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 nostalgia um associated with the era that these are a product of and um i really really like that i like the 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 even the device of we're going to tell you a story specifically in comic form, and, and it happens in the short story forms as well, but we're going to tell you a story in you know, uh, we're going to give you a lot of detail uh, of, of what's going on here. We're going to give you a lot of lead up and then at the end we're going to wrap this up with, and the Daleks were chased off to Skara. You know what I mean? the, the, uh, or the
2: And the Daleks were destroyed.
1: Yeah, both of these stories do that where there's a lot of exhibition and then the resolution of it is wrapped exposition. up in a, yeah exposition what i say <laughs> exhibition exhibition no an exposition <laughs> excuse me there's a lot of there's no exhibition <laughs> no, a lot no. of exposition but then there's not a lot of uh substance to the conclusion uh and so but there's something kind of quaint about that sometimes too um i yeah. don't want it in all my media but it seems very maybe because i've i've read a lot of of st- you know, uh comics and things from this era. But I think it, it sort of uh lends itself to that era and so I, I'm actually okay with it in this
2: kind of format. It definitely has pulp is the right word for it. It definitely has a very pulp feel to it with you know it's a short story so it's it's not gonna get too deep into the weeds on anything. It's gonna give some cool Kind of neat ideas and some action and some excitement and then it's going to wrap itself up and Mm -hmm. the characters aren't really going to advance too much and uh, the enemies are going to be destroyed. It's just a a fun little popcorn-type short snippets of stories that you can kind of pick up and go where you want. And I like that uh, Sarah's
1: featured heavily in both of these. Um, This is the 1960s and it could have easily been you know, Oh yeah. Loaded with sexism and, and all of those different tropes that we got in the 1960s, uh, you know, pre-feminism and pre, you know, equal rights and that kind of thing. Um, but it's, it doesn't, it, it, you know, there's shades of it, but it's not there. It's not prominent. And I think that's what I liked about it as well as, as she's treated for the most part as, you know, an equal to everyone else and, and to a, a specialist in her, her area. And she's ends up having a really strong story in the, uh, uh comic version that she has where she ends up you know having to kind of thwart things on her own so um yeah i just i i i thoroughly enjoy these and yes it's daleks of course i'm gonna love them but (laughs) um i just there's there's something very very quaint about about these stories and and and
2: all of the Dalek stories from that time and i like how this kind of gives a info dump if you want to call it that of how the sss started because they just kind of show up in daleks master plan and we don't know kind of the origins or where they came from uh in fact the beginning of that serial it almost comes across as their mavic chen's personal you know security force where this obviously tells us a bit more and that they're not you know that they're actually trying to do some good <laughs> as opposed to just being uh the muscle for the horrible dictator.
1: Right, exactly. Um it gives us some, some substance to the character of the organization rather than yeah. just a henchman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it also lends some credibility as to, and, and I think maybe this comes more so in some stories we'll, we'll review in the future, but I think this gives some credibility to Sarah, even though you know we 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 start off on the wrong foot with her in in Dalek's Master Plan because you know she's she's at first she's the adversary adversary to our mm-hmm. heroes and and then ultimately finding out that you know Brett was her uh, brother brother and uh, she ended up killing him. It just I think it gives a little more breadth to the fact that there was so much if if you retroactively fit these as, as continuity at least. Maybe not maybe not canon, but continuity. It kind of gives her character a little more um breadth in order to um understand how specialized she was in her field and how, you know, they're obviously been been battling the Daleks for a long yeah. time. And she has absolutely no suspicion that her you know that that Mavic Chin the leader of of the solar system is is in league with them and so she ultimately thinks she's doing the right thing when she, w- when when she does what she does in Dalek master plan so i think this kind of helps maybe give her a little more uh, bolster as a character and 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 the organization as a whole
0: agreed <laughs> you're very quiet
1: Sean. <laughs> Are you catching up?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I. uh, You know, there's. These are the. um, I'm trying. The one that I've got is the. Doctor Who. It's not. It's not the yearbook. It's called something else. Travels in time or something, and it's kind of a similar um, format where it's uh, spread over, the the first. um, Six doctors. That was the time frame it came out in, and, uh, and it kind of alternates between a comic and then a short story. And you know, some of them are illustrated short stories, and some of them are just text. And um, it just it, it was very nostalgic to go back and, and, and read this, and, and it was fun to get it from an era that I'm not as familiar with, mm-hmm. you know.
1: I think it does well to kind of place you in the mindset of young people at that time and what they were experiencing, you know, prior to us. We're used to, we're used to kind of the what they call the late silver age of of comics and the late silver age of, of some, you know, pop culture. And to, to just realize that this is only, you know, 10 to 20 years before we were engaged in that stuff as, as a young person, it's, it, it really kind of puts you in a, Oh, it was the same, but it was different. You know
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it's I, very similar in in a lot of those style um, of the era where you know okay you've got maybe a 15 page story and the first 14 are cliffhanger serial adventure type stuff and there's one page of setup at the beginning that doesn't really even get into the the, the, the full-blown um like Sarah Kingdom space security agent for example we get one panel of her showing that she's strong, which has nothing to do with the rest of the story. <laughs> and then we, we get a whole bunch of stuff about you're heading off into the unknown, this planet sucks, there's low oxygen, here, take some candy. Okay. Oh, by the way, what about the professor? Yeah, kill him if you can't save him. <laughs> Where did this get, what? Where did, I mean, it just kind of was dropped in there. It's like, yeah. oh, there is a professor, okay. So that's, the, that's apparently the mission. I had and, to
2: laugh pretty hard at the kind of explanation of why she needed the candies of <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they chose quite the right word of these humanoids <laughs> no you're already a humanoid you know humanoid is kind of description of, of a shape of person Of, <laughs> I think they were trying to go robo men but they didn't want to do yeah. robo men you know
0: maybe Terry Nation didn't own robo men <laughs>
2: Well the had to laugh that they just didn't
1: quite get land he and land he, on he that. certainly did. I think what he did is he refined her humanoid into uh Roboman because, because Roboman would require. have come later than uh, well, yeah. well no, it, was, it would have been earlier. Robo men is... were in Aldolic Vision Earth, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so he well, must have th- just changed his I mind. He was just changing the idea behind it that it was, you know, based off the oxygen instead of the things they put on the robot's Right, right. Heads. They, it that, the, that's what the, they were trying to do. They were I no just... longer mechanized. It had to do right. with the chemical imbalance because yeah. of the lack of
1: oxygen, which was kind of not very scientific either, but that's okay for his it, it, post It's a little,
0: little hand Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things. It's just enough science. <laughs> it's wrong, but, you know it's like the black hole yeah okay I'm going to allow it because I'm having fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) one of the things I thought was interesting was the the, I think it was the outlaw planet really sets up the SSS and explains you know everything out from you know who they are what they do the kit the the devices that they use the spaceships and all that kind of things but then later on in this book which I don't know if you guys read it (laughs) there are these little breakout things that, that talk about all of those things. And in fact, one of them is almost word for word. And I thought, well, if you were going to put this later in the book, why did you go into all that, <laughs> all of that explaining of page that? You know, yeah. In order to turn around and then go, Oh, we're going to do it again. <laughs> we got a blank page. We got to <laughs> fill it somehow. Yeah. So yeah, this little dossier here, it's, it, it's the exact same thing that you get kind of in the beginning of that story, but.
0: It's very reminiscent to, um, the style of prose reminded me of uh, oh who's the author the um the big pulp novelist um from back in the 50s is it uh, hubbard did hubbard do other than dienecks did he do uh like legit pulp novel kind of stuff
1: oh I mean, besides the science fiction stuff that he did? Yeah, well, and like specifically battleship... science fiction. Uh, well.
0: And... And thus, but he but... did. I mean, he did, that's what. Well, that's he, what I'm. He
1: was, yeah, he was a science fiction fantasy writer before he created Scientology.
0: But um, is it, was it the pulpy, pulpy stuff? I don't, I only, yeah, I, don't read,
1: know. I only read, I only read Battlefield Earth, and and I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was particularly Yeah, that one's pulpy. not particularly t- t- pulpy. It's t- more, um. It's more sci- sci-fi. I think
0: it is L. Ron Hubbard. I think there's one called The the Great... I'd have to look it up now. I can't think of it. It's, it's The Great Something. And uh, it's all about this, uh, this treasure hunter guy. And he goes off to find the thing on the planet. And I listened to the audiobook for it. And it's completely done like the guy refers to himself in first person. I can't think of his name now. Jake Stone, whatever it was. Jake Stone wouldn't take no for an answer. Jake Stone was going to get the treasure. Jake Stone... Would, and this is the guy monologuing as he's going on the thing. And it, it's just dripping with this kind of machismo era, you know, uh. stuff. And and these stories kind of reminded me of that in the way that they were presented. Just the the, 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 the writing style and the, the the short punch and the quick climax at the end. It was just kind of like, yeah, this is very much in that vein, which I, it just was a lot of fun.
1: Alright, well, should we move on to the Destroyers?
2: When the crew of Explorer Base One is attacked by the Daleks, space security agents Sarah Kingdom Mark 7 and Jason Corey investigate. They discover a plan that threatens the future of the entire galaxy. Bum, 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 bum. Bum. I don't know if I'd go that
0: high. (laughs) Glenn and I appear to be on the same page. We could be in trouble.
2: I thought this was okay for what it was. It it didn't get me super excited. Um, I had to rewind a lot just to try to, because my mind wandered too much while listening to it, even while driving. So there's something about it that, you know, just wouldn't stick to my, my brain. Um,. But a lot of it felt maybe I don't know if I just went into it with the wrong expectations but it felt kind of unnecessary. I get that they were you know what Big Finish did with trying to recreate what Terry Nation was planning to do with the pilot but I can kind of see why the pilot didn't go anywhere. So here's the thing I I I
1: think I liked it because of what it is. I think Listening to this both times that I've listened to it, it feels like a 1960s science fiction television
2: story. It does feel like that. Yes. And it
1: doesn't quite feel like Doctor Who, although it has elements of the the, the things that, that are invoked by classic Doctor Who. But it really feels to me as though it was written geared towards an American pilot to me so it feels more like a lost in space would be too campy but star trek would be just a little bit more professional than this but there's somewhere in between maybe like an outer limits type story or i'm trying to think of some other sci-fi that was on television at the time that was serious sci-fi it it, it feels in that on that level uh, maybe even some tv dramas that they were doing in the in the u.s at the time
0: voyage to the bottom of the sea maybe yeah maybe that it's not quite as campy as the other erwin allens
1: right right and so i think that it it lands there and it and it wasn't until my second time through that it occurred to me that the reason it feels so much like a television show in my head an episode from a television show or a pilot in my head is because i suspect when gene marsh is doing the linking narrations she's doing she's reading from the script those are these are script directions this is literally you're hearing what this script would have been and perhaps maybe a few script notes and i think ultimately the reason why they do that is because you really couldn't mess with this when you're adapting a story and saying written by terry nation because it really is i mean that's what that's how they branded this thing Mm-hmm. This was a lost episode. So it really kind of feels like you're getting script notes and script, uh, the, you know, the descriptions within the script verbatim as this is, pre- you know, playing out so that you can ultimately say, yeah, this whole thing was written by terror nation. We didn't take any liberties. And I think that's why that it really, in my head feels like a television episode because it, it's, it's written in that format. Now, I think that there were probably other reasons beyond it's not a great story that it didn't get picked up. I think <laughs> the the one detriment it has going for it is it doesn't stand well enough on its own. It really feels mm-hmm. like the the first episode in a arc of things going on and by that I mean it, it you know the the
2: way it ends is very much a setup for the rest of the series and the ending had me excited for the rest of the series <laughs> but getting to the ending was a bit of a struggle
1: well and i think that the the danger of doing that is you suddenly you 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 become a bit egotistical or or pretty sure of the fact mm-hmm. that you're going to land this and so i think that could have maybe been a turn off for some executives that might have said had you produced something that had a little bit more of a finale in the ending you might have gotten a chance and then get viewers in front of it and then continue your your story mm-hmm. from there but i think when you when you end it with a uh this is a you know a whole setup for a series i think then you turn off a producer that goes well i'm not even sure i want to do one episode of this to see how it goes because you're thinking that you're going to that it's going to go you're already you know, overconfident with the ability of what what we're doing here, and so mm-hmm. I think I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it because it's not a terrible story by any stretch of the means. No, I, and it's fairly basic. Too. Yeah, and, and and unfortunately, there's not a lot going on visually. There's it's it's a, it's a lot of hiding from Daleks, hiding from vegetation. Look, I think I and, probably uh, would have
2: and, enjoyed it a lot more if it were visual. Right,
1: and <laughs> I think that you know. I wanted to know more about her brother. I wanted to know more about... But I, I didn't expect much knowing that, the, you know, this was a failed television pilot script. See, and so. I think
2: part of my issue was I didn't realize that was what it was going into it. I thought this was, like, more a prequel to Dalek's Master Plan, mm. where it's it's not. No, no, no. Because part of my other issue with the story is Sarah seems so different. From the character we know in Dalek's Master Plan, yeah, I think he, she's going to have to go through some heavy stuff in order to get her to that point. Yeah, I think <laughs> because he, she's so concerned about her brother, and then she turns around and kills her other brother without a blink of an eye, <laughs> and then later gets remorseful after about. That's
1: it. I think that's the the, the problem with this is you, you really can't link the two. You you really can't they they really exist in their own universe. And and the reason they do is because this was shopped around for a, a network that was never meant to tie into Doctor Who whatsoever. This was to capitalize on the popularity of the Daleks and and launch them in the U.S. And I think that that they're two different characters, and I think Nation knew he was doing that when he was going off with his characters to establish another series somewhere. Mm -hmm. He knew that he was going to separate. I think he took some of the, the, the things that he liked about Sarah Kingdom and that was it and, and kind of redeveloped her as a character and would have redeveloped her quite differently than we end up with in uh Dalek's master plan as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably part of the problem that I had with it is I also did not realize this was a failed script. In fact, I didn't know it was part of the lost series. It's not a failed script. It's an unproduced. <laughs> script. Unproduced. <pardon> me. <laughs> oh, no, it no, actually no. was a script. <laughs> you, you, you are, you are, you are 100% <laughs> correct in that, in that I stand corrected. Um, I didn't even realize it was part of the Lost Stories collection, even though we've talked about it. It just kind of was like, it wasn't until I went back. So when we broke into linking narration, and it wasn't quite, wasn't quite Big Finish Audio, wasn't quite audiobook, wasn't quite um, Companion Chronicle. I mean, it didn't really fit in any one of those... Slots. It was something different, and it took me a moment to kind of catch up to it. Then once I got up and running and got up to speed, it was, as Key said, I think I would have enjoyed it more if it had been a, a visual aspect to it because so much of it is the cliffhanger style, um, you know, we're, we're hiding from the Dalek, don't move. Oh, we made a sound, and they came back. Oh, there's a plant crawling on me. Oh, there's a you know there the, there's just so much of that that's, that is visual that would make for you know a pretty decent episode of, of of who and um and yet it's not doctor who it's it's very much mission to the unknown mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. where it's it's kind of this sidestep into this is what else is going on in the galaxy and um the the lack of an ending while I totally get where he was going with it to set up this series that didn't wind up materializing, um, was a little frustrating because it wasn't just the fact, you know, I could I could deal with the fact that the Daleks got away with the brother, but it doesn't seem like we resolved anything else either within the, the confines of the story. It felt like most of it was moving the pieces around the board so that we could just miss them taking off from the yeah the headquarters and realize that the brother's with them
2: yeah had they actually saved the brother but the dalek threat was still out there lingering that would have given a good resolution to the overall story and yet still let a plot thread continue to continue the series i think that was the big thing he messed up with was not having the brother get rescued
0: the other thing and and gene marsh is is great Oh, she she, like she's fantastic yeah. in it uh, both as Sarah and as the the linking narration but I think for me the other thing that, that kind of stuck there a little bit is like you said it's not it's not our Sarah kingdom it, it's this kind of pseudo Sarah kingdom that's the stand in and it just it didn't it, you know me I like my I like continuity I like canon I like assembling things in my brain and going yes this is all one massive timeline and then this one's really hard to shoehorn in to
2: well trust me i'm <laughs> doing it <but. laughs> the only way i can shoehorn it in is because there was discussion in this episode of that it wasn't quite the year 4000 right and Dalek's master plan takes, like, place, what, 4,025 or something like that? It's fairly decent into yeah. the 4,000s. And the, the fact that I, I just kind of have to chalk it up to she's a new recruit and is un unseasoned and is going to, you know... She's so fresh and so young that all of this affects her in a way that it doesn't in the future. That's, that's my only, that's the only
0: way. That actually head. works that's for a, me. That, that makes the, it work a lot the I better. I can that's,
1: and in fact, I'm glad you brought that because it's exactly how I canned it too, was she's just very young and green. And yeah. This is, this is, this is the very beginnings of her, um, uh, time in the SSS.
0: Well, because Sarah Kingdom in the, in the episode in Doc's Master Plan wouldn't, I mean, she'd be in charge of this mission, mm-hmm. yeah. Versus hanging out with the robot and the the other guy and taking orders from them, right? Um, which, again, now that Keith has kind of planted that seed for me, that really, that really does mentally retcon a lot of it because I was kind of frustrated that you, you had mentioned in the stories that, that there didn't seem to be a lot of um, misogyny or sexism. Uh, dealing with the character and it felt like there was more in this there is
1: in this yeah i did, and then that's, you stay uh,
0: here while we go investigate the cave you know,
1: i'm glad you brought that back up too because while i didn't feel it in the dalek outer space book stories it i it's much heavier here it's much more pre- uh, prevalent in this this story
0: and i gotta be honest mark seven you could do a whole series about this guy. <laughs> I was, was fascinated good, by this yeah. robot. <laughs> even the, even whatever modulation they did on his voice where he wasn't quite There's human. not much modulation. There's not much it, there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not enough. robotic, but it's, it's really just enough to put a tint to it. And I was just, you know, he captivated me. He was like, yeah, more of this. Mm-hmm. I think
1: also... Uh, something that lends to the fact that the brother in this is David Kingdom her brother in, in Dalek Master Pan is Brett Vines so I think there's a lot that you could do with telling the backstory of Sarah Kingdom to, yeah. to maybe David and her are a lot closer because they're from the same mother but Brett maybe is a stepbrother yeah and maybe there's some history um not not that Brett's a bad guy but maybe there's some you know jealousy or animosity that that has crept up and maybe Brett um enters the service sooner or or advances faster and the you know they so i think that that why the the i i think you could take a lot of finessing without having to sh- do any shoehorning and finesse this story and, and all of these uh, Sarah Kingdom stories that we read into work with Dalek Master Plan I think there, there's a lot there that we just that, that happens off screen that makes it work I'm, I'm
0: going to do you one better so David Kingdom at the end of this episode is trapped in prisoner of the Daleks on this Dalek ship and it takes off and their plan is to we're, we're going we're to hit Earth we're going to knock them out. But the Daleks, being the devious tanks that they are, decide, well, you know, we we should go back in time and hit them. Because that would solve a lot of our problems. If we can conquer the Earth prior to the SSS coming along, you know. So this Dalek ship goes back in time to attack the Earth. And David winds up getting loose and he's fighting for the resistance on Earth during this Dalek invasion. You know, the Dalek invasion of Earth. <laughs> and then he winds up meeting a young girl named Susan.
1: Did David change his last name? I was going to say, he did have a last he name. And... Yeah, he wasn't David Kingdom. And...
0: That we're aware of. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: he he actually had a different last name. And... It's his middle name. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: I was just going to go with, you know... They don't ever actually rescue David, and the Daleks kill him, and that's part of why she's you know she starts closing off her heart because of that, and has such a hatred for the Daleks even more so because they killed her brother. Yeah.
0: I like mine better. It all, <laughs> yeah,
1: it all works except for Sean's stuff. But uh, it's it, another Terry Nation story. <laughs> he owns that
0: one too. Come on.
1: I think that's a little too mof, Moffat for
2: Terry Nation. <laughs> I <don't think> Nation. <laughs> I don't know if Terry's that c- clever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's not. I love Terry, but he's not. No, no, no.
2: It's, pretty, it's always Terry's the pretty, same pretty, plot over and over. Terry's
1: pretty straightforward with his stuff. So. Anything <laughs> else you guys
2: want to talk about? These yeah, let's
0: talk stories? about that damn chasm. No. <laughs> <laughs> at, le- at least they didn't really have to cross it this time. I'm, I'm, it just almost fell in it. I'm no,
2: but it was, it was perilous,
1: it was, and mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out how they were going to get it across, and they, uh, it took them forever to find the mechanics to extend the bridge so they could get across it. It just
0: I'm curious if this was a callback on purpose. <laughs> if this was Terry having a bit of a laugh. No,
1: Terry just likes chasms or dialogue stories.
0: Yeah. Because when you've invented a bad guy that rolls on wheels, it makes total sense to put a chasm in your story. <laughs> <right now. laughs> Yeah, you want to talk about the flop sweats from the previous story coming back in full force. I'm I'm in my car listening to this audio. What do we do about this chasm? Oh, God. Oh, no. I almost had to pull over. It's back. (laughs) This chasm will not die.
2: (laughs) Whole new planet, same old chasm. (laughs) They just have to have one underneath their uh, base wherever they go. Wherever they go.
0: That's your episode title. (laughs) Uh, all
1: right is there anything else we want to talk about
0: no i'm done (laughs) all
1: right well sean what are we coming up on the schedule
0: some time off
1: (laughs) yeah listeners we do want to uh mention that we are kind of at the end of our schedule right now and so we are going to take some time off to kind of recuperate to kind of refresh uh to kind of get back into uh the groove of, of doing some of these reviews. Um, you know, after what has it been eight years? Um, yeah, Almost eight years. eight years. Um and we've taken very few breaks. Um there's been one from here to here here or there. But uh, we just want to assure the listeners that we're not going anywhere. That this is really kind of just a refresher for the four of us, and
0: we're today- going on hiatus for the summer. We hope you enjoyed season one, all eight years of it. <laughs> we'll be back after the this is we'll our cl- back in a month with season two. This is our cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we we've got some some fun things in mind, and uh, we 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 may you you may you know obviously still keep tabs on the Facebook page and whatnot because we'll still be posting and updating you as to some of the fun things that we're doing
1: right we're not going anywhere yep
0: i just won't be a new episode for a little bit Yep.
1: all right well is there anything else we need to touch on this week before we uh close out this show for a brief break
0: and i suppose for those of you that do like to follow along at home yes i will post a new schedule once we are back in the in the swing that'll kind of tell you what's coming up and the, some of the things that we've I say, that'll, that'll
1: probably come up before that'll we, happen before even we, before we, we come back yeah.
0: so watch this space
1: <laughs> all right well if that's gonna do it for this time until next time i'm glenn
0: i'm sean and i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you beware the chasm you have been listening
1: to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc no infringement is intended or implied